Welcome, everyone. Welcome to My Steps to Sobriety with your host, Stefan Neff. Let me read you something. Somehow, I was living the supermum myth. In my head, I imagined that I could do everything and do it well. Instead, I was busy racing up and down the highway, meeting clients, and forever hurrying to be at the next place. I had handed over control of my life to everyone else. Because I never got everything done, I thought I had a time management problem. I merely needed to be able to do more stuff, faster and better. Everything everybody needed was always a top priority because I thought it was my responsibility to get it all done. What I read you there was an extract from Barbara Longe's book, Money, Family, Sex and Happiness. How to Create a Life of Fulfillment, Impact and Deep Meaning. Published by Vortex Publishing and I had the pleasure of reading the book in the Kindle edition. And today is a fantastic day to actually have Barbara Longe on my podcast and YouTube channel here. So Barbara, welcome to you. Thank you, Stefan. It's great to be here. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Now, this is an excerpt uh, from your book, and that is actually quite early on in the book when you were still living the mad life, so to speak, when you were still trying to be everything to everyone. And it, when I read that, it so struck a chord with me. I could just feel myself nodding. And it is, and many, many of our listeners and, and viewers will feel exactly the same. Tell us a bit of that aspect of your life. Tell us a bit, bit how life was for you there and then. You know, I think it really was the same life that so many people have. They feel this pressure to do well, to do more, to do better. And even with the lockdown lately, people are still thinking, oh, you have to read more books. You have to do more courses. You have to take up a new hobby. And they're still feeling pressure that's not coming from within. And sometimes it's just like, just stop everything, you know? And that's really what I had, what had to happen, you know? That's what happened to me. And it's happened to me numerous ways, numerous times that my body has undergone changes that just said, it's going to be different from now on. And you can't <laughs> think your way out of this, which is what I had always done. I could always just find a different solution, think I had the right answer now. And it was still not. The right answer and until it's the right answer i consider it like divine assistance that says we're going to test you till you get the right answer because <laughs> that really, was a wrong answer exactly exactly and you were quite stubborn wasn't it so karma or god <laughs> or the universe whoever wanted you to learn the lessons you said yeah that's a nice lesson but nah i i'll try again my way <laughs> yeah, because I just kept thinking that was uh, that I, I think it really was just I just thought I was smarter than everyone else. Like, I can figure this out. I can do it. I know you can't. I know he can. I know she can't. I can do it. I'm going to do it. So I'm going to be <laughs> that one person who can do it. <laughs> so what was the first challenge? <laughs> and you're just like, uh... Now, tell us a bit about the first challenge, your pneumonia. That was yeah. quite a stunning story. Tell us. 
What, you know, what, what happened to me is I got sudden pneumonia and everyone tells me doctors, you're a doctor, you know, doctors tell me that doesn't happen. It's like, it happened to me. It happened to me <laughs> one day I was in the wine business and we were on a, it was a Sunday and we were taking a whole group of 30 consumers to t tour a winery and um, that was in New Jersey. And so it was a chance to learn how to make wine. And we were pouring all this yeast in a big, the big vat and we're walking the vineyards and we're finishing up. We're having a beautiful lunch, a seven course lunch paired with each fancy wine from the winery. And as I was sitting there after about the second course, I actually, the minute I sat down, I was like, mm, something's wrong. And I didn't know what was wrong. And I started just like coughing <laughs> right there and sneezing going like, Oh, I'm getting a little bit of a headache. And I just said, and I thought that what was wrong must've been something wrong with the kids. Cause the kids were, I don't know. I don't know how old they were at the moment, maybe 11 and 13 or something. And I, they were home alone. My husband was out doing something and I thought there must be something wrong with the kids. And I tried to call home and I couldn't reach them. So I was like, I'm just going to leave here early. I'm going to get in the car. Now I'm about a two hour drive away. And I said, I'm just going to go home. There must be something wrong with the kids. And while I was driving the car home, the headache turned into the most horrific headache. Like I'm going to have to cut my head off to, to keep driving headache. And I was able to pull off to a rest stop and buy some aspirin and, and keep driving. And I made it home. And I just like literally got out of the bed and crawled, got out of the car and crawled into bed where all of a sudden then the other symptoms of coughing and fever all popped up, you know, and um, it took a few tries before the doctor realized that it was um, pneumonia. At first I just said, Oh, you just have something. We'll give you a little antibiotic, you know, we'll, we'll fix that. Cause it wasn't even bad enough. The coughing at that, the first day I went to the to the doctor wasn't even bad enough to say that's pneumonia. But then two days later, the fever was still well over a hundred, 103 or 102. And, and he said, come back if it's not better after a week. And so, you know, I'd waited a week and then I go back and now it's, and I'm still having delirious fevers for, for days. I'm like, we should check your lungs. Like, yeah, maybe you should <laughs> check everything now. Check everything now. So anyway, and you know, you're right about that stubborn part because you know, it was still like, but I was literally stopped, you know, having been a workaholic, um, it was hard for me to stop. And this was our busy time of year. I wouldn't have stopped just for a cold or just for normal pneumonia. I needed a real full blown case that I, I couldn't have moved if I tried to move, you know. So that's, from a that's how that all. Oh, no, please, from yeah, a doctor's perspective, was... we see these patients and we see pneumonia and you think, ah, oh, yeah, okay, it's a bit of an infection of the lungs, so what? Yeah. But if you're actually in those shoes, if you're actually trying to breathe and not much is happening, yeah. and if you're trying to actually work with a brain that feels as if it is sort of drowned in treacle, uh, it is a very scary thing. So now it's, uh, I could feel for you the way you described your, your misery. And it didn't really go away. Normally, uh, in a pneumonia, we think, oh, great, let's give you some antibiotics and, you know, two, three days and you get better. And then yeah. you're back out there doing what you want to do a week later. Yeah, about that. <laughs> How was that with you? Yeah, so that, so that did not work for me. So once I was on the stronger antibiotics, you know, within about a week, I could start 
kind of lifting my head. I could get out of bed and I could lay on the couch then. <laughs> you know, I was able to leave the bed <laughs> and go move to the couch. And it was just brutal because I'd been very active and this was our busy, busy time of year. So I was, I would have worked if I possibly could have, but it was again to me, the universe saying, you need to stop everything. You know, everything just needs to completely stop and there is no work. There will be no work for weeks. And it was actually four weeks later, um, even after multiple visits to the doctors that they kept saying, just be patient, just be patient. Four weeks on, I said, you know what? I'm done being patient. What else do you have for me? I need something else. I want a specialist. And they were like, there is no breathing specialist. There is, they're going to do the same thing we just told you. Mm. Be patient, take your medication and relax. Mm. I was like, I'm done with that. So, <laughs> you know, so I said, I don't want another strong course of antibiotics. I don't want you know, they saw the x-rays and they were saying it's much better. And I said, it would be better if I could actually walk and breathe at the same time. I could walk or I could breathe. I couldn't do them both at the same time. And I said, there's clearly something wrong here still. (laughs) (laughs) And then fast forward, you became in the truest meaning of the word, a tree hugger. Now, tell us a bit about that experience, because that was your eye opener, wasn't it? It really was. And so I had started doing some martial arts um, previous to that, just some little taekwondo where you go with, went with my neighbor and her son, you know, where you just go and you just kick, you know, you kick something, (laughs) you pretend to punch something. And I was like, wait, where's Grasshopper? Where's all of this other stuff that's supposed to be happening? Like, I don't want to just kick a bag anymore. That's, that wasn't interesting to me. I wanted the whole routine, you know, and I'd kind of forgotten about that. And then when I got sick, I remembered a guy telling me that he, um, someone else in the wine business, um, he was seeing a Kung Fu master in Coney Island, which was an hour and a half drive from me. And he did healing. And um, at the time, I was like, I didn't need healing. So I was like, whatever, I'm not driving out to there to go see your special guy, you know. And then when I got sick, I was like, oh, my God, I got to find this guy. Because I couldn't think of anything else that I could do that would make me better. And it turns out that uh, a very long drive, and I was still coughing my head off. This is now four weeks uh, into the pneumonia. And if you've ever had a a bad cough, it's like, you know, everything has to stop. And so I'm driving on these icy sheet of ice, big highways at 7 a.m. on a Sunday morning, trying to make sure I had control of the car, because that's what I was worried about, that I was going to cough so hard. Mm. And you're distracted when you're coughing that I wasn't going to be able to control my car. Anyway, so I make it out there alive. And there's like six feet of compacted snow in Coney Island, which is really rare that early. It was an early December day. I remember it quite well. And I get out and it's freezing. It's like, who in the world would be out here in the freezing cold? Like, you know, so I walk out there and there's this, all these people just doing all these weird moments. I was like, I thought I was in a lunatic asylum. I was like an outdoor lunatic asylum. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> I can't so, so the guy goes and puts me up to a tree and he goes, just breathe. And he showed me some special breathing techniques. And he goes, just stand. And I was like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. How, what could this possibly do? Right. And then he had me just do some walking and standing. He's like, no, 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 slower. I'm like, how, 
you know, when you live in the New York area, you're in a big city, everything is fast, everything is hard, everything has to be like that, is how it all felt, right? And he's like, slower. It's like, oh my God, how can you possibly go slower? I'm going to die standing here trying to go slower. Because slow just felt like death. It was like, I can't go slower. <laughs> and that's what the universe kept telling me. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Right? So now I'm standing out there and he's like, go slower. Go slower. Breathe more and walk slower. And uh, long story short, I spent an hour there. And then I was exhausted. I go back to the car. I go home. and. I could get out of the car and walk and breathe. And I was like, wow. And I went home and I, you know, my husband's like, how did it go? And he, and I was like, I can walk and breathe again. It was just like, to me, it was a miracle. Even though now I know it's science that your body needs oxygen. And if it is deprived in any way, shape or form, your brain and the rest of your body is going to suffer. Mm -hmm. So um, I had oxygen again for the first time in now in, in four weeks. And bringing that oxygen in is what helped me to heal my body. And so from that minute forward, I've been doing Qigong ever since. And I still teach people how to breathe and how to find that internal place of peace and calm. Because it's without, without oxygen, we're all in deep shit. Mm. <laughs> I'm allowed to say that off the radio. Okay. So true, isn't it? So true. And it, it is. is one of these things. I've, I've studied a lot of martial arts in my past too. And I learned the, the breathing exercises there. And they still to this day uh, are an, an, such an important part of my well-being. I've mastered the, the skill to breathe, for the lack of a better word. Uh, I've mastered it in such a way that even one right breath can reset me when I'm overwhelmed yeah. with anxiety, when I'm absolutely stressed out of my eyeballs, I am <laughs> able to take one deep breath and just refocus. And this is such a powerful yeah. and beautiful feeling. It is, it's very hard to understand for someone who actually hasn't experienced it. And if you think about the anxiety that is nowadays affecting virtually all of us to a certain degree, it is scary and you don't know what to do. And it is uh, people like you, Barbara, who can teach others how to breathe and make a start from that point. This is such a powerful little step that goes such a long way. It is beautiful, beautiful. So please keep going with teaching us all what to do. But tell us a bit more. So it, it, I mean, you only just started your journey to learn to breathe there. Um, how did it yeah. then continue? Because you were still stubborn. And you were still trying to do other things. <laughs> well, what it really did for me then is, and you'll appreciate this from the, the martial aspect of Qigong, which is one of the internal martial arts, is also about bringing in power. And I tell everybody, power and strength are health. You can't be healthy and be weak at the same time. It's impossible. Those do not coexist. So, I mean, think about it. When someone says they're sick, they're weak, they're tired, you know. So learning how to be strong helps increase your health dramatically. And when I learned how to be strong, and again, another huge aspect of the martial arts was learning how to be mentally strong. Hmm. So it actually gave me the mental 
and emotional strength and resiliency to change my life completely, quit my job. It was a very high paying. I was, I was the lead, um, probably the top ranked American woman in the wine business in the U S on the wholesale side and very well, but literally I had an unlimited budget to travel, take people out to dinner, the best restaurants, drink the best wine. And it still was like, it wasn't enough for me (laughs) because I wanted to be home with the kids as well. You know, and that was the, that was the, my conflict. I wanted to be everywhere at the same time. And it turns out, um, we actually have to choose. We have to choose. And, um, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So was there a lot of guilt and was there some shame in you around about that time? there was because it was initially I had started uh, working on the wholesale side and I had moved into sales uh, because I wanted more time with my kids. And then I ended up accepting this high powered job that gave me less time with the kids. And I was like, oh, so I felt fulfilled professionally, but I hated that I was not doing what I wanted to do and spending the time with my kids. So it, that extra strength that I got from doing Qigong um actually helped me to say i quit you can keep your money and they were like they were in shock it took a, literally a one week for them to accept my resignation because they were like why would you leave nobody leaves <laughs> nobody leaves the job that you have in particular and it was what i had always thought was my ideal job and the reality to me was just coming to terms with the fact that i wanted more connection with my family and my daughter was about to become a senior in high school. And I said, I want at least that time with her while she's still young enough before she goes off to college. And, um, and the price was leaving a very security and a very nice high paying job and lots of those perks. And of course, a lot of people would say, because you have done the hard yards, uh, you had the money to allow you to, to make that decision. How were your kids out of interest? Uh, Certainly many of my friends who feel the same guilt and shame, uh, more guilt, less than shame, guilty that they were not there for their children. They often then get hammered by the children acting out. Now it might have very little to do with with daddy or mommy being home or not home. It is more the fact that kids will act out in their teenage years. How were your kids? Were you lucky? Or I mean, I you- was just very lucky and I feel so blessed. My children are so amazing and beautiful. They never really had that acting out stage. And it's, um, and they're still just gorgeous. They're still like, I have to calm myself when I talk to other parents of children because my children are perfect. And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, really, I, my daughter actually, and you'll appreciate this if you've got kids, anyone who has kids, from the time she was young would, without prompting, write thank you notes for her Christmas gifts or any Aww. gifts. That's how good my kids are. I'm like, oh, that's, that's this lovely. is not normal. No, I that's... did not grow up like that. Believe me, wow. I was not ready. <laughs> I had to be prompted. I wow. grew up with uh, six brothers. Um, I called them the pack of wolves, and I was you know, trying to learn how to deal with all of that and uh, so it was a shock to me to find that I have these amazing amazing beautiful children and it was just it was a joy for me to be able to have more time Mm -hmm. you know like I had always done all of the 
things to go to the parent-teacher conferences and go to their plays and go to their things, but I still wanted more. I wanted more time with them. We, we only realize how fleeting um, the moments are that they're doing all of these fun, exciting things, you know, and then it really is gone. You know, it doesn't come back again. They're not two years old ever again. Yeah. Isn't it? And you're missing suddenly the cuddles and the kisses and uh, no. you need to look upwards to actually see it into the heights of their eyes. And it's all a bit you know, strange. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> yeah, it's funny you say that because my son is actually six foot five. Oh, so there you go. Literally <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and my kids were so proud when they finally reached above me uh, with their heads. But now they're sort of virtually half a head more or and then some. So, oh, it is, it is, they don't yeah. stop growing. And it is beautiful to see them grow into the people that they are. But I understand 100% where what you are saying with regards to the guilt that every busy person experiences, uh, that the yeah. being drawn in, in every direction and you want to do yeah. everything right. And to a certain degree, you have to because the money needs to come in. So you can't just say, oh, well, I stay home and spend time with the kids when there is no food on the table. So it is many, many people out there will say, yeah, dream on to just give up. Having said that, um, tell us a bit about the change then in your life when you decided okay, New Jersey is no longer for me. Um, what's the furthest I could possibly travel? And <laughs> yeah, how did you end up on, the, on, on really the, the most beautiful and most forgotten place apart from New Zealand, which is Tasmania? Yeah, <laughs> that's actually a funny story as well. And it's... Um, what had happened is I started, um, once, once that physical, mental, emotional healing had begun with the, um, with the Qigong and I'd started my own business, I was able by having a lot more time, not commuting. Now I had an extra couple hours a day. So I was working out even more and it transformed into actually a healing practice and being able, I was working out at least two hours a day, an hour in the morning, an hour in the afternoon, because now I wasn't commuting, you know? So that gave me an extra, and I still had extra time left over, right? Nice. But no. um, I was started getting even deeper interested in the whole spiritual side of all of that, you know? And the internal martial arts are all about awareness. And so I ended up taking a trip to Machu Picchu, and there I met someone who ended up, owning 22 acres here in Tasmania. And from that trip, just from that, you know, two weeks away, uh, we decided we were gonna create a healing center here in Tasmania. So uh, <laughs> took, took a few years, <laughs> but I eventually sold that business and said, I wanna spend all of my time doing the um, meditation and healing and, and all those other kinds of things that we do here. And what's uh, what's come back eventually is that you still have to eat, right? You still have to. <laughs> you said we really do live in the middle of nowhere. We're on 22 acres in the middle of the forest, overlooking the ocean, and it's um, there aren't a lot of people who come through. So uh, 
I eventually missed, you know, I was working in business and helping businesses grow for decades. And I missed that aspect of also helping people also happen to have a business and still have a life. And so now what I do is it's really merging both parts of my life that have been so important. How do you bring more consciousness and more awareness to people who don't want to move to the, to a mountain at the top of China or a mountain in Tasmania and sell everything and sell their business to move away? How do you maintain a life and still be aware and conscious of whatever that means to you? And however that, that um, works with without wine or alcohol or, or whatever whatever's going on for you. And I think that's, again, that's such an important bit that you're saying there. Uh, it is uh, there, you can only burn the candle on two ends and in the middle for such a long time before you crash and yeah. burn. And yeah. it you have to, at some stage, learn different techniques to deal with life and i mean in my life i i always have been busy and i prided myself on that i thrived on stress and often enough i i put the extra pressure onto me but then again you would come yeah. home after 10 12 hours and there was so much more to do. And, you know, for me, that meant, well, let me have a glass of wine or five. And then I got a second wind because the alcohol was yeah. giving me, thank you very much. Suddenly the shoulders relaxed and you felt so much better. And then you kept going in my case. Let me clean up the garage. It's yeah. midnight. Who cares? Uh, and yeah. you do all kind of stupid things. Needless to say, you, you burn a candle again on both ends and yeah. end up ultimately with uh, now more anxiety. And in my book, I call it hangsiety. Uh, so my steps to sobriety goes quite a bit into that kind of behavior. Uh, and please, I, I'm guilty as charged here. And no, it was not a good time. Uh, did you end up with, with, uh, I mean, you had the full access to the most beautiful wines you could possibly imagine. Um, yeah. there is, and, and having, having been in rehab, there was actually, a, a gentleman there who was from your profession and he, uh, pretty much shared his insights with me and it became clear to me that yeah, a big, big portion of your colleagues are rather uh, very much into their wine, <laughs> more so than they yeah. should be probably. <laughs> no, for sure. And that to me, um, I thought it was different drinking a lot of wine if it was a really good bottle. Like if there was a <laughs> distinction because it was expensive, <laughs> and it was really tasty. <laughs> like, of course I have to drink the whole thing. Well, what, you can't be seen tomorrow, you know? Like, like there's a, a justification <laughs> for it. <'cause> it's <laughs> the old joke, what do you do with leftover wine? I don't understand your question. What is leftover wine? <laughs> <laughs> it was. And the worst, the you know, it was all, 90% of it was more than 90%. It was free. The best wines on the planet were free for me. The dinners, 
you know, so it was really very tempting. And, and that's how it kind of, for me, it snuck up on me being addicted to wine because um, it was my job, right? It was my job. And 90% of the time during the day we spit, the problem was always during meals. You don't spit wine during meals. Uh-huh. You know, that's just not polite. It's really not, you know. So you're just like, oh. Exactly. And so it snuck up because, well, there's a there's an open bottle on the shelf that I had a sample today. There's another wine in the cellar that I had another, you know, something else going on. And I think to me, the turning point of knowing that I was consciously using wine to de-stress was after 9-11. And at that point, I had... Um, that stress was like, open up every bottle, the best wine in the cellar. And I trained to be a winemaker in Burgundy. So my best wines were from Burgundy. And so I drank every bottle of Vaughan Romanet and Clovujo over the coming weeks. I had lots of it. You know what I mean? Those are the things I bought because that's where I would put my own money. And then I would drink all the California Napa and, you know, Bordeaux and any other Italian wines. Um, but that was my special wines were always my Burgundy's. And then, uh, and that's when it was really intentional that I knew I was intentionally trying to deviate stress using a glass that had wine in it. And um, it was really downhill from that point on, (laughs) knowing that I wasn't using other techniques that exist on the planet to de-stress versus using alcohol to de-stress. It's just like as if you were a human being. Crikey. It's like I was a human being. It was hard to accept that. It's hard to accept that, uh, that I had those flaws, you know. Most of us, especially nowadays in, in, a, in a world where you have to keep up with the Joneses and where you have to be the perfect human being on Facebook or Instagram or whatever your, your poison is uh, as far as social media is concerned, uh, it is... Uh, of course, you do all kind of things, and yeah, alcohol is certainly in in many many people. It is uh, something that they rely on, and often rely on to the for the soul. No, let's rephrase that. That's the the only thing that they rely on, and that makes it so hard. And it makes it so hard now during COVID because I certainly am aware of uh, people where the money has dried up and they have gone into full-blown withdrawal. They have gone through very hard times because Mm. they are now, they've lost their job, they've lost their income, they've lost their alcohol, they got really sick with that and they are left with no coping mechanisms, uh, so to speak. And this is quite a brutal mental health challenge for many out there. So hard well, I times. I think that's a great thing that, that you're doing, helping people to talk about these things and to say, well, there are alternative ways mm. to eliminate stress that don't involve alcohol. Indeed. And I was shocked when I realized how much I was spending. Now that I'm not in the wine business anymore and you had to like pay for wine, I was like, oh my God, that's expensive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But it is as an alcoholic, always- that is how exactly how you how you portray yourself. I'm not an alcoholic, I'm a converser. And of course yeah, I need yeah. to yeah. taste the other bottle as well. 
and then one more yeah. just for good measure because you don't know could just be there was a bit yeah. cork so we better check the other one out as well yeah mm -hmm. <laughs> well i did the maths and uh, ultimately i have spent the down payment to a house very easily a cheap house here in fairness a cheap house the down payment uh, in a year no problem um oh, a nicer yeah. house i give me two years then i would have drunken that away um so yes been there done that vomited on the t-shirt um yeah but then things changed for me it was rehab and and suddenly over the next years i i started every day making little decisions and for me it was it was really building up a new stefan and it was an exciting a very exciting time and it is a very exciting time for you you your wine was was part of your life and qigong was part of your life your your martial arts you came to tasmania and then things changed because nowadays you you don't enjoy a glass of wine anymore do you want to talk about that no. what was that of for you no. happening and i actually went cold turkey eliminating wine and even you know throughout the years because I've seen so many alcoholics, and my father actually is an alcoholic, it's to stop drinking when I was 16 years old. And uh, I was very aware that there's a long family history on my side of alcoholism. And I was like, I'm different. I'm not like that, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it's not me. It's not me. <laughs> and uh, I really. I live a beautiful life here. We have horses, there are peacocks, we've got two dogs, there's just guinea fowl. It's just a beautiful existence here in the purest place on the planet, uh, one of the purest places on the planet. And um, one day I was walking our horse, we were taking him uh, from our house to another paddock where there's greener, greener pastures, as they say. And the dog jumped out from the side scared the horse, he bumped into me because I had stopped to talk to a neighbor, which apparently she should never do if you've got a horse on a lead, you should never not pay attention to him. <laughs> anyway, this slight bump that he gave me had me fall down, hit my, fall on my ass, literally, and then my head swung back and hit a rock. And it was literally all over. So the head trauma, the brain bleed, the whiplash uh, meant, and those feelings of complete confusion that I had for, for literally a solid month, I could barely speak. I could walk. I could mostly talk, um, but I couldn't do much else. And the pain was so enormous. And the, um, the, what it also, that, so there's kind of like that mental confusion that comes like when you're just a little buzzed, like after a couple glasses of wine, there's just a little buzz. And so I would have that little buzz. It was almost like a buzz and a hangover coming at the same time. So, <laughs> the now so you, that I you even cut out the nice things in the middle and you just go straight for the bus and hangover. <laughs> yeah. Not, not well, good, that's not really good. what it felt like. It, it felt like there was almost a buzz because it was almost like, oh, you're like, like in La La Land, right? In my brain with my damaged, you know, traumatic brain injured brain. Uh, it felt like, oh, there's something nice in there. And yet there was still this searing pain. So it felt like I was almost already buzzed 
but with sheer pain. So now my brain has permanently attached horrific pain to everything related to alcohol. And it's been a godsend for me, as it turns out, because, um, you know, you talked about the financial aspects of not having to pay for wine um, or having to pay for alcohol. But I've been very surprised to see how much more time and energy I have to do all kinds of other things. Because there's no like, oh, let me turn my brain off. I, I can't think about this stuff. It's too stressful. Mm. I have time to go do things that help eliminate stress. Now I have time to just, I'm shocked that, that anybody even functions with alcohol. Because <laughs> I used to know, like after I've had a couple glasses of wine, you can't talk to anybody. You don't, definitely don't write any emails and don't write any reports. <laughs> like I knew enough to do that. But <laughs> now it's just like, I could choose to do that or I could choose not to do that now. But it's not because I can't or I shouldn't be near a, near a keyboard now, you know. <laughs> Stay away from the keyboard. You've, I know. You've put the, the best, the the best email you have ever regretted. <laughs> exactly. Because you, you think you're so brilliant when you're <laughs> on Alpha. You're like, oh, brilliant. Look, I, I just had this great idea. Oh, right? Please, please. <laughs> you have no idea what an idiot you look like. Oh, I had was that not Hemingway? Hemingway said that you should always uh, write when you're drunk and then edit when you're sober. Uh, I think he was, he was pretty much on the money there. The problem with nowadays yeah. writing is that with one click, either intentional or unintentional, you have sent whatever <laughs> you've written out there and you can't suck it back. So yeah. tricky, really yeah. tricky. Oh, I've done that oh, too many times. No, 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 no. But that's, that's been the surprise to me to see, to watch other people now that I'm definitely not drinking, you know, and I've had a couple glasses of wine just to test and see what would happen. And it's just not enjoyable for me anymore. So it's just like, damn it, I can't enjoy, like, I probably would go back to drinking if I could, but it's just not enjoyable. <laughs> it's just like... See, being, being stubborn, the universe had to give you another little reminder there. <laughs> literally a slap over the ears <laughs> say, it was with a smack upside the head it's like go ahead go figure it out now now yeah, exactly. go try to drink exactly i dare you it's like, i dare you it's well like, you've got another uh, few decades to go you might as well make something really really beautiful out of it um now without the alcohol with the extra money with the extra energy uh, that automatically yeah. comes after a few months of being sober, the new taste uh, for me. I mean, suddenly to uh, taste the strawberry, uh, and I thought, wow, this is the best strawberry I've ever had. <laughs> and only to realize that I had basically pretty much numbed my taste buds uh, every day with the alcohol. And it took a few weeks and months, and suddenly taste changed, and it was amazing. And there was only one tiny change of so many, many changes. As the saying goes, the only thing changes in recovery is everything. And it is certainly <laughs> true for me. Yeah. And, and here yeah. you are, for you, you're reaping the benefits as you go. Oh, well done. Well, I was really surprised at what a huge plus it has been. Do you know what I mean? Because I had stopped drinking alcohol for at least a month for decades. You know, I would take a month off of, of any alcohol just to cleanse my body. 
And um, I thought, I, I'm in control. I can do it that at any time. And I didn't realize how how significant it is to have that extra peace of mind knowing you can actually control your mind. You can control your body. You can control what you put into your glass. And um, it's just been such a relief to, to feel that and to know that when you go into a conversation, you're not necessarily going to regret it the next morning when somebody tells you what you said. <laughs> I said that? I didn't say that. You know, I would never have said that. <laughs> Uh -huh. Right. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Well, if there are people out there who uh, like uh, the way you're thinking and like the journey that you have done. So in the first instance, to you guys out there, please buy Barbara's book. It is actually very, very intriguing. And it is a very beautiful book to read. Uh, it is a book that, that by its own pace tells you what has happened to Barbara from a hard and fast living uh, wine merchant uh, in the States to a far more serene and fulfilled life uh, nowadays. So if that is something that you would like to explore, well, her book is a pretty good starting point. And hopefully with COVID uh, soon either, either running out or we finally get solutions for it and then travel starting up again. Uh, if people want to come to you, tell us a bit what is happening with you as we speak. Yeah, so if someone has a business or would like to learn how to run their business better, I have a conscious capitalist blueprint which involves the whole human aspect of ourselves and how do you relate to your employees? How do you relate to yourself? How do you relate to the community at large? And that you can find me at newconsciouscapitalist.com. And if they're interested more in the meditation side or the Qigong side, um, the meditation center here is called the Vortex Healing Center. And you can find us on Facebook or at the vortexhealingcenter.com spelled the New Zealand way, C-E-N-T-R-E. <laughs> cool that's brilliant um and it's certainly there is no doubt uh once we are traveling again and i end up in tasmania for a conference or something like that i will i will check you out um that would be awesome that would be right. awesome we'd love to have you here uh, yeah. the other thing though to say is uh you have uh you are really in the beautiful middle of nowhere Dear viewers, dear readers, translate that, that not necessarily all the amenities that you are used to uh, might be available to you. I mean, I'm pleased to, that we have got actually right now, uh, what, nearly three quarters of an hour um, without interruption, because your, your internet and your, your Wi-Fi and broadband and things like that will definitely not be as reliable and as stable. No, and then there is, of course, that thing with a long drop. <laughs> What's the long yeah, drop and the dunny then? Hmm. <laughs> and we, got two, we have two of them for the guests. Yeah, so that's what you'll be using. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you from the States or from overseas, 
And what we are talking about is uh, toilets that haven't got any flushing, etc. But these are composting toilets uh, where you basically do your business outside, basically, uh, with the wind howling, horizontal sleet, uh, all these kind of things. Or in the summer when it's really, really hot in there. Uh, but that's all part and parcel of it. That is sort of going back to your roots to a certain degree. And uh, Please, it is what our forebears. And, and disconnecting. Yeah. yeah exactly. You're completely disconnected from all the things that uh, you thought you knew. Yeah, exactly. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, that's why we in New Zealand go hunting and all the dock huts and all the other uh, places we go to have exactly that setup. And it is beautiful. There is no Wi-Fi signal for miles. And that's why you really should have an eBurp, uh, a, 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 um, a rescue uh, gadget on you. So if, if shit hits the fan, you have something. So a little tip when you go out here in our wilderness. But uh, you don't, you want to be prepared for the worst, but you want to experience the best from that kind of living as well. Because to look up and to see more stars than you ever could have imagined, well, there are a few places here, but Tasmania is pretty good for that as well, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm, I'm hours from the nearest city. So it really is. It, the first time I saw the Milky Way here, it felt like I could reach out and touch it. It's so vibrant <laughs> and so gorgeous. It's just outrageous. Um, which is beautiful. It's beautiful. So guys, yeah. the Vortex Healing Center in Tasmania is waiting for you. Um, uh, get your act together. Get hopefully soon a vaccination for COVID and then let's get the tourism back up and running. You guys for sure uh, deserve it. We here in New Zealand and my beautiful Rotorua, which is a tourist mecca in, in New Zealand, uh, has certainly been hammered. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully soon we're going to all be able to, to, to return a bit to that kind of a life that we have grown to love to go out there and have a beautiful time and explore our neighbors, explore our, our other countries around us. But for the time being, I think, uh, at least in 2020, people will focus on, on doing their own their own country, so the New Zealand tourism will focus on New Zealand itself. We are lucky we haven't got a single active case of COVID. Uh, and I think you guys over there in, in uh, Tasmania, you're pretty protected and safe too. Yeah, isn't yeah. It? I'm not even sure when they're gonna let the mainlanders come in. It's <laughs> these mainlanders. mainlanders too aren't <laughs> they, they're dodgy, come on. <laughs> No. Well, I so hope, I hope it uh, for you that things will, will keep going and that you can maintain that beautiful attitude and that you yourself can keep growing and develop yourself in the person that you want to be and the person that you deserve to be. Because every day, little... And I'm sure you're doing wonders of good to help other people talk about and work through their own issues to figure out what their path is and how mm. alcohol may, may have impacted some of the decisions they made. Exactly. And often enough that the alcohol has actually very heavily contributed to the mess that they are in. But sometimes yeah. it, takes, it just takes a story or a a talk like right now an interview to listen to you 
to for someone to actually say hmm okay that makes actually sense and takes the first step and that is the, such an important thing the realization the admitting to yourself that you're no longer in control and that is such a powerful step so if you can do that guys guys you are my heroes so now it is uh, it's beautiful barbara thank you so much you have shared so much from your life uh and uh it was uh, it was actually lovely to read your book and even nicer to see you in person and talk to you with yeah. the modern zoom here yeah well thank you stefan i really appreciate the time with you and your audience yeah and now wonderful so look after yourself thank you very much everyone for checking in and check out Barbara and the Vortex Healing Center uh, at your leisure. You will have in your description down there, I will put all the, the details in and equally a link to her book, which is uh, in fact a number one bestseller uh, in her category. So congratulations there, Barbara. Uh, it has deserved it, no doubt. Look Thank after you. yourself, everyone, and stay safe. Bye. 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 <laughs> Dream